Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Bat Page Breakdown. I'm your host, Antoine Staley. You can always find me at the New York Daily News as well, where I work covering the Jets, and also uh, at Antoine Staley on all social media platforms. With me today, uh, a special guest, somebody that I've known ever since you know we were both working for USA Today and The Wire, uh, Henry McKenna. Like how long? Like it's been like six, seven years, I think, since we've known each other. Since yeah, both, yeah, it's know, been a minute. I was covering the Dolphins and the Patriots too. You were doing the Patriots stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. It's been it's been a while, and and I I kind of spent many many years there, and you bounced around getting different uh, different beat experiences, and I just kind of hunkered down in New England. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been all over the place. Like, yeah, nobody should have. You know, like, I just been you know create doing college NFL like all different types of stuff. So yeah, I've been all over as you know. But yeah, before we get into like the Jets and Patriots this weekend and other AFC stuff, East stuff, then I want to talk about your article uh, that you wrote recently about Brandon Schooner and also the the block field goal. Just talk about that and just uh, the, the, some of the details that's in there. So if people have not read it yet. Yeah, yeah, everybody can check it out on FoxSports.com or uh, give me a follow on Twitter. I'm Henry C McKenna is my handle. Um, it's a, I spoke to Brendan Schooler yesterday about about the block. Just kind of wanted to know more about the play because uh, most special teams people you've spoke I spoke to had never seen anything like it before. Um, the Patriots did something similar on a punt last year, where Schooler was actually like playing gunner and he ran in and he tried to block the punt. Um, and so I think they they saw a similar opportunity to do this um, with, with the Dolphins kicker uh, and their sort of like holding situation. I'll talk a little bit more about that, why it worked. But um, the gunning situation makes sense because like a gunner, you know, stands wide of the formation already because they're sort of like already there trying to essentially block. I guess you're, you're like the gunner blocker. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to sort of like block the actual gunner from – getting to your punt returner whereas obviously kickoff or field goals you're sort of like contained to a very small space so it would be very strange to send a guy out wide um but that's exactly what they did the patriots coaching staff came up with it on i think wednesday so schooler shows up to work and it's already kind of up on the board and they're like i guess this coaching staff is kind of Uh, both famous and infamous for coming up with like crazy special teams ideas. They have three guys in that room, which is an abnormal amount of coaching. Um, It's a big coaching group for a special teams unit, not to mention that they have technically, they kind of have two coordinators. Joe judge um, is like, I think under the, under the guise of being the assistant head coach, he's also, kind of the special teams coordinator cam Acord is actually the special teams coordinator in name and then joe houston is the special teams assistant coach so they've got three guys there and that's a lot of like brain power and and uh and time to dedicate to toward just like creating crazy stuff like this so that they drew this up they showed it to schooler schooler was like i'll give it a try and then they tried it in practice on thursday on the sidelines and it was sort of working. And then they went on Friday, they tried it at full speed with the actual kick unit. And it they tried it a few times. It worked 
great. Like they were stunned at how well it works. They're like, cool, we'll, we'll give this a try in the actual game. And yeah, so they, they basically, they gave school schooler instructions on like where to stand. So he knew when the game happened, like, okay, you know, the, the ball's on the left hash from the kicker. So I know exactly where to stand, but, but he knew right hash. He knew middle of the field. He knew the timing of uh, what he wouldn't say, but Pat McAfee said was yeah. he knew the timing of what was happening in the backfield. So Jake Bailey is the the holder for Miami. He was previously the holder for New England. So they had some unique insight on him. I guess he, he takes a big exhale before he calls for the ball on the snap. So he goes, and then he looks. The fact that he does, he has two tells, not just one, gave Schooler the unique opportunity to start his run on the exhale. And then when he saw the second tell, which was like lifting the hand, that gave Schooler the opportunity to turn up field uh, just at the time that the snap was coming off. So there were two moments that he had to be like synchronized with for it to work, not to mention just like actually being obscenely fast and athletic to bend around the edge to get back into the backfield and not hit the kicker. Um, so that was another thing that they had sort of like dialed was like the steps that he was going to take, the foot that he was going to push off to get the, the block, um, crazy level of execution. And um, Schooler was talking about how, you know, he, he still kind of couldn't believe it. Like he, he got a text from his mom on Tuesday and she was like, I'm still watching videos of this play. I can't believe it happened. And he was like, me neither. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so fascinating. Like, I, I just got back to the hotel because I was covering the Jets in Dallas, like, over the weekend. And then I got back. That was really the moment where I really got back. And then I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then it just happened to work. And then, you know, as you know, the Patriots are usually really good sound, sound and special teams. Obviously, that was Bill Belichick's like you know, his background and everything that he does too as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that they kind of cooked up something like this that, that would actually work. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, it was remarkable that it worked considering it was the first time it's ever really been done for it to be executed at such a high level was, was insane. I asked Schooler, he was, he was, he went viral after he recovered a muff punt Um for trying to give Bell, he like gifted Belichick the ball. If people, like NFL fans remember that, that gif or meme or, and Belichick was like, Oh, what are you doing? Like move along rookie. Uh, so I asked Schooler, I was like, did it cross your mind that you, you should maybe give Belichick the ball this time? And he was like, no, 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 no. That did not cross my mind. Uh, I learned my lesson the first time. So, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, to get it back in the Patriots, like like I say, obviously you covered that AFCs for Fox Sports too as well. Just I mean, they played some really two tough opponents, obviously, to start out the year with the Eagles and the Dolphins too. Just talk about what you've seen from them. And they like I say, both of the games have been relatively close. It just seemed like, you know, they weren't able to make enough plays to win the game in both of those matchups. Yeah. Yeah, I mean most power rankings right now probably have the Dolphins and the Eagles in the top five in the NFL. Um, those are two really good teams, and the Patriots managed to keep it within a touchdown. You know, the one thing that they really can't do right now is convert those, like, fourth quarter, fourth down situations. They're really good at staying in contention in games. They're not really good at winning them. So I think, it, you know, I wrote – 
after week one, the, this team really needs an alpha. They need somebody, that, a number one that they can rely on in these fourth down situations. You know, Josh Allen will go to Stefan Diggs, right? Um, Zach Wilson will go to Garrett Wilson. Uh, I think a lot of teams have a true number one pass catcher that can convert, you know, even long yardage uh, in clutch moments. And the Patriots don't. They, they, they have a group of players. Um, and I think their theory has been for a few years, you know, if, they, if there's no alpha, then the team can't double that person, you know, um, and the opponent can't double that person. So, so if there's a double on the alpha on, on the fourth down situation, then you have to go to the second and everybody's uncomfortable. Whereas the Patriots are like, well, we have six pass catchers that can all convert the, the fourth down. But the truth is that they really don't. And uh, they can't get a consistent like set of production out of those clutch moments. Um and like not many teams can, you know, like New England fans are so used to watching Tom Brady who got the consistent amount. This is like subpar, you know, this is like barely converting any fourth downs, maybe one of four, which they were in, against the Eagles. And I can't remember what they were against the Dolphins, but they're just not there right now. And Mac Jones needs to get a little bit better. I don't know how much better he can get. Honestly, he's a, he's a limited ceiling player. Um, so then it's a question of whether the Patriots are willing to bring in, you know, a truly high tier receiver. Um, a guy like T Higgins might come available yeah. this off season, or even at the trade deadline, maybe if the, if the Bengals want to get like a first rounder for him. So I think the Patriots kind of need to pursue that sort of option. The question is like, you know, if they're going to have another losing season this year, What's the point of going in on a guy like Higgins, you know, on the trade market or even Mike Evans, for example, might be a guy that they could go after. But the Bucks are now two and oh, which is weird. So it is. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, they're they're in a weird spot, I think. And, and we'll see over the next few weeks whether they're like actually a good team that just lost two early games to elite teams or if they're just not a good team and, and they just happen to be in, you know, to be able to keep it tight, but they're not, they're not good. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about the ball, about the offense too. It seems like to me, just especially watching the Dolphins game, I think a little bit of their issues having to do with their offensive line as well. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Trent Brown was out for that game. And then now it seems like he's going to play against the Jets too. How much can he help that prove that offensive line and actually help Matt Jones as well? Yeah, and I guess it's sort of typical for most NFL teams not to always have their starting five, but the Patriots have yet to have their starting five. Even, like, in training camp, they were not practicing their starting five together. Um, Michael Onwenu made a very late return. Calvin Anderson was uh, was also injured when he's their right tackle. So they – don't have you can see the issues like Cole Strange is one of their starters and and should be at this point one of their best offensive linemen but he was making sort of mental mistakes against the Dolphins pass rush just like failing to pick up his man just letting him walk right by him and so these sort of like errors these mental mistakes you would like to think that a, a guy like Trent Brown coming back and you know give this this starting offensive line unit, you know, a few weeks to work together. Maybe they start to tighten things up a little bit, but then, you know, the question is, 
can they afford a few weeks of tightening things up, right? Because the Jets are going to come with, you know, the deepest defensive line group in the NFL probably and uh, could easily beat up Mac Jones. I was looking at the stats of Mac Jones against the the Jets in his career, and he has like 16 sacks in four games, including I think six sacks in each of the last two games. He's been sacked six times in each of the last two appearances. And they won. They found a way to win despite that somehow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. But so the question is, the answer is yes, they have offensive line problems. And then the question is like, how quickly can it get better? Because it can get better. These, These players are good. All of them, I'd say. So the question is, can, you know, this new coach, Adrian Clem, he, he came from Oregon, um, yeah. offensive line coach. Can he whip this offensive line into shape? Or is it kind of another year where the Patriots miss their late, not late, but their, uh, their great uh, offensive late line coach who retired, Dante Scarnecchia, because he, he was the one that was responsible. He was sort of like the Tom Brady of the offensive line. He, he was the one that made that offensive line good no matter who they left behind in free agency, who they traded away, uh, how much turnover they had at the position or injuries, he was always finding ways to make that offensive line look good. And, and ever since he's gone, the the line has not looked the same or performed at a, at a similar level. Yeah, I think that's fair to say too. But yeah, I think, you know, like you say, getting Trent Brown, I definitely think will help, especially against a team like this with the Jets. And I mean, that's the bread and butter, like try to pound you with their defensive line and obviously, you know, running the football and, you know, just kind of, you know, touch on the Jets too. I guess, you know, uh, we'll start there. Obviously you tweeted out some stats about Zach Wilson and uh, his lack of success against the Patriots to be quite, <laughs> to keep it as nice as possible. But yeah, I mean, what, what is it about Bill Belichick's defenses that, in your mind that gives him issues? Cause it seems like, for me, especially covering the games last year, it seems like one mistake, like if he makes one mistake, it just continues just to snowball, especially against Belichick and throughout the years during his four games against the Patriots. So the tricky thing about Belichick is it's not just that he shows you disguises, it's that he then works off the disguise that works to make a new disguise work, if that makes sense. So it's like he'll show you a strange look and that will fool the quarterback. But rather than doing that same strange look again, he'll actually try to fool you in a different way based off of that. So he's sort of like building this elaborate card trick or this elaborate magic act against the opposing quarterback. And so each each phase of his game plan builds upon the next thing. Everything is different. So they'll fool, you know, they'll fool Zach Wilson by switching, you know, by making it look like they're in man by switching the safety and the cornerback. So the quarterback's on, you know, on the wide receiver uh, out wide. And so it kind of looks like man, but then they'll like switch positions and the safety will like come in and the quarterback will drop into the deep third. And then all of a sudden Zach Wilson thinks his receiver's open. He throws it down and the safety comes in pick six, right? Like stuff like that, little disguises. And then Belichick will do the same thing, but it will actually be man. And, you know, some other disguise has presented itself. I mean, I'm not not nearly as smart as Belichick to, to think about the sequencing of, of disguises that he uses, but that's how he thinks about it is it's not just that I can come up with one good concept to fool a quarterback. It's that I'm going to come up with 10 or five and get through those five uh, uh, disguises that will, you know, 
in, in succession sort of beat this quarterback mentally. And the more you start to beat him mentally, the more he starts to question what he sees so that when that man coverage presents on the wide, he's kind of expecting zone, even though his brain should be telling him that's man, right? So he, he, because he's seen the disguise once, he doesn't know what to expect the next time. He's kind of thinking it's like uh, it's like taking an SAT test and like, you know, when they train you to sort of like uh, uh, look for those like problem questions, the ones that are going to trick you. The truth is most of the test questions don't trick you. They're basic. They're standardized. You should be able to answer them because you you have gotten like a proper education. Right. But but the trick questions are the ones that like you actually throw you off. So that if you're not careful, you'll be looking for a trick question in a normal question, and then you won't be able to answer it to your regular competency. That's Zach Wilson right now. He is like at sea against these sort of standardized coverages, always looking for like disguises or unable to see what he's really seeing and apply the knowledges that the coaching staff, I think the, the Jets coaching staff has, has given him. Um, so I think he's sort of a, a mess of a project. He needed the season to rest and like learn basic NFL quarterbacking. Um, and unfortunately, Rodgers got hurt and that put Zach Wilson in a position where, um, you know, he he is playing again and the Jets look like the 2022 Jets where there's really they have to figure out how to win despite him. Um yeah, I was going to ask you, like, ask you, that was going to lead to my next question. Just kind of how you view the Jets at this point, because that's what I was going to say. It kind of seems like it's a movie, like all living all last year all over again, especially for me, because, you know, I covered all 17 games. And it seems like they're trying to win with Zach Wilson, despite, you know, this play, but running game and also, you know, with their defense, too. Just talk about, you know, kind of where you view the Jets at this point. Yeah. They're, it's a tough team to evaluate because um, I don't want to be too negative, but I don't really like where they are. Uh, hey, that's, that's fair. <laughs> they built themselves mentally and personnel-wise around Aaron Rodgers, and they don't have Aaron Rodgers. And I think they, given Aaron Rodgers' career, they were fair to expect he made it through the season because he's the kind of quarterback who really doesn't suffer season ending injuries um when he's hurt he really doesn't miss time because he just like hates being off the field so yeah. i think they kind of expected him to just like fight through the season and but but you can't do that with a torn achilles so um you know they got the win over the bills i think that weirdly you know i was in the locker room with you and i was like wow these guys are like happy like like I get that they won and that it was an insane walk-off play. And like, I don't mean to like suck joy out of players or fans or whatever, but I also was like, you guys just lost your starting quarterback who was like, you're everything. He, he yeah. was like the thing that was bringing you to the Super Bowl, And that's like empirically not on, like that is on paper, not just on paper, but like, like that was, that is a matter of fact that your quarterback was the problem this year, you fixed the problem, and now you are going straight back to the problem in week two. And maybe they didn't, maybe they were a little idealistic about what they could manage because in week two, we saw exactly what, what I thought was going to happen to this team, which is like they'd take a massive step backward because they have to like totally 
reorganize their thoughts about how they're going to win. Yeah. And if they're going to win, their defense is going to have to be the best defense in the league, period. No question. It's not not just that they can be a top five defense, which is what I said, you know, when Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback. They could be a top five defense and Aaron Rodgers is going to, you know, make them a top 10 offense and then they're a Super Bowl contender. This is a totally different team. They're going to have a bottom five offense, period. Like in my mind, there's no question about that. And so if they're going to stay in contention, they need they need low scoring games basically every week. They need t- points off turnovers, not just from the offense, but from the defense. And they need to put Zach Wilson in a position where he is either looking at a scoreboard where there's a tie game or the Jets have the lead. And so that's when he plays his best, which is fair. Like that's just a thing that you can see from Zach is like, he just makes safer decisions when he doesn't, he feels like he doesn't need to win the game. And so um, that's how they win. And I just, I don't think they can do that with consistency. I think, you know, unfortunately this team probably ends up being below 500. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. So I kind of feel like it's about similar record to what they were a year ago. I feel like, I feel like that night when we were, we saw we were in the locker room, I felt like it was kind of like five stages of grief. And then right. like it just hadn't hit the team yet. And then I think yeah. the day after it ended, you're like, okay, yeah, I think they're the now, like after the game. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, well, he's not coming back. Like, oh, you know, crap. Like, we, we better, like, figure something else out, especially on the short week, too, where you got a Dallas team that's, I think, one of the at least one of the best defenses in the NFL right now, for sure. So I think that's kind of the way I equate it, you know, to what happened. Like, I just think they were in, they were in grieving. They were grieving that, you know, they lost, you know, their leader for the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Um, I'm not in that locker room nearly as much as you are. And so your, your beat on it is definitely going to be, I think generally more accurate, always more accurate. Um, so, uh, but then, but then I think they did get a, a slice of humble pie from Dallas and maybe that taught them, you know, how much they'll have to step up for, Zach Wilson. I mean, I think they just need a new quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too. I think I do too. I think we all agree with that. But you know, I just think they're in a situation where, and then they have offensive line issues too, as well, which you know also compounds like having a guy like Zach Wilson too. But yeah, before I get you, I, I do want to talk about a couple more things: the Dolphins and the Bills. I want to start with Buffalo. Uh, obviously, they lost Week One against the Jets, and then they came back and pretty much smacked the Raiders too, as well. Uh, do you still see them as a playoff team? I, I do, but, you know, obviously I think, you know, Josh Allen has had his issues, obviously, with the Jets in the past while turning the ball over and taking a variety of multiple sets to just kind of where you see him and also Buffalo at this point. Yeah, I think the Jets often see the worst version of Josh Allen, so maybe they think that he's, like, not good or something. I don't know, but he's still the best, you know, one of the best three quarterbacks in the league probably right now, Uh, maybe even just like definitively number two with Joe Burrow, not playing well. And, um, but I don't know. I I basically top five, top three, and he's, I think they'll be fine. They had a bad game against the jets. Josh Allen plays poorly against the jets. Why? I don't know. Because it's not those, those interceptions, like two of them were unforced in my opinion. Like he just made really bad throws. And one of them was like, one of those interceptions that didn't matter. It was just kind of a punt. But the other yeah. one was like, that was, what are you doing? Um, and then the mistake uh, 
on the fumble obviously was was forced but it was also like again oh, it's just not smart yeah i don't know so um a lot of mental mistakes from him against the jets he's a mental mistake guy they creep into his play but not at the rate at which we, you guys saw it in week one and so you know the the raiders version of josh allen where it's just putting up numbers that that guy is going to show up far more often than the version you saw in new york and, and i think like you know if if the if the bills want to win the super bowl that version of josh allen that that the jets saw and seemed to generate out of him that needs to go like he needs to I, I wrote about it. it was like josh allen's been saying the same thing and he admitted he's been saying the same thing because he's making the same mistakes and he needs to figure out how to change that the thing is is that like it happened in week one he's got you know 20 more weeks to get right for the super bowl and then i think that team is talented enough that they're not going to have a problem making the playoffs um it it's uh but the I, I do, yeah, I, they're, they're going to be fine, in my opinion. I, I, I picked them to win the AFC East um, at the beginning. Are you of still season. picking them to win the AFC East still? And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to keep picking them. I think the Dolphins are a great team. Um, they really are. And they might end up being the best team in the AFC. I also just, you know, I think concussions like i think Tua could get banged up one way or another whether it's whether it's his head or, or, or a different injury um i really hope that he doesn't but yes. uh, you know i just i just you know think that if that happened we see we've seen how good Tua is he really is an mvp candidate like and he was last year people didn't take it seriously when i was writing about it but he really was and every time he steps out of that roster that lineup they're offense changes and it's like the worst it is one of the worst offenses in the league all of a sudden so um yeah that's a good team that relies enormously on its quarterback and and um he's a little more frail than than a guy like josh allen yeah for sure and then also i think you know they're still trying to figure out things with the defense and vit fangio which i think like later on in the season i think they're going to be really really good it's just a matter of yeah just you know get more reps and this system and things of that nature too it's just be covering the dolphins for so long it's kind of it's hard to wrap my head around them actually being really good <laughs> the last couple of years especially with two but they are i mean i think you know long as he stays healthy they are i think they're possibly one of the top three teams in the afc if, if yeah. he does it, then I think, like you said, they're a team that's contending for bottom playoff spot. They barely made it last year, or they're not contending for the playoffs at all. Yeah, and, and I like that you mentioned the defense. One thing that people aren't – we get so infatuated with good offenses in, in, like, today's era of the NFL that sometimes we forget how much a bad defense can cripple you when it gets cold. Um and when the playoffs roll around. So that's the thing that, that should, you know, it's worth monitoring that they let up 36, I think, or 34 to the chargers. And then they let up 17, I think to the Patriots. Um, it's that's a unit that needs to get better. Um, so like you said, in theory, Vic Fangio being around is going to get that defense, you know, by into good shape by the end of the season, but they're too talented in my opinion, not to be a good defense. So the fact that they're kind of getting into a shootout with the Chargers, you know, I think that that's a thing to keep an eye out for. That could be 
even if Tua does stay healthy, that could end up being a thing that kind of sinks them a little bit. All right, for sure, definitely. Uh, Harry, thank you. I appreciate your time. Harry McKenna, Fox Sport. Tell people where they can find you on social media and your work, too, and what you're working on. Yeah, yeah. Give me a follow on um, Twitter. Uh, you just search my name, Henry C. McKenna. And then you give me a follow. You can also find me on foxsports.com. Download the Fox Sports app. And then when you download it, you can follow me uh, so that all of my writing comes straight to your phone. The last thing I'll say is I'm actually writing a story about how I'm just calling this the de desperation bowl, the Patriots versus the Jets fighting to stay out of last place in the AFC East. I think fighting for their own confidences, you know, and so I think like the Jets lose and, and this they, things could go off the rails um, just because I've seen, you know, you're hearing from the locker room uh, players starting to get down on themselves and even a little bit down on the coaching staff uh, versus the Patriots who have just like pretended that they're confident in themselves, even with, you know, being 0-2. But 0-3 is a pretty definitively bad record yeah. to have. At that point, you know, Matt Judon said this isn't a bad team. Okay, fine. But, like, if you're 0-3, you're probably a bad football team, especially if you lose to a team that, like, you know, the Jets, who are on their second quarterback of the season. So, is it? Um, it? yeah, it'll be an interesting game. And uh, hopefully people check out the article about, about the quote-unquote desperation bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of about what like, my advance for Sunday is going to be. Like, you know, it's a must-win for both teams. It really is in different ways. And – yeah, I think for the Patriots, like like you said, 0-3 is a death sentence. That's basically what it is in the NFL. Like, not too many teams make the playoffs when you're 0-3. And then if you're Jets, like, you need a win. Especially they've lost 14 straight to the Patriots. You need a win over the they, the players. Some players try to downplay it. No, you have to – this is a game you have to win. Because if you don't win this, especially you got, you got to go to Foxborough on January the 7th. And there's no telling what the weather might be for that one. And then mm -hmm. with the playoff content, like I don't expect either one of these teams possibly to make the playoffs, but you don't want to go into that game losing 15 straight to the Patriots when they've had your number for nearly like the last decade. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I say I think it's a, they have to win. But, yeah, Henry, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you can check out Bat Pace Breakdown on Spotify, Apple, all your uh, podcasts you know, platforms and catch me next th Tuesday and Thursday as well for another episode. Until then, like, I'll see y'all later. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.